Now for a show by a brother and sister who are polar opposites, but who both found a calling running solo businesses. This is the Unfederated Podcast. Hey, Sarah. Hey, brother. How's it going? Pretty good. Can't complain. My whole um, upstairs of my house is covered in what is likely, I don't know, a mixture of lead paint dust and asbestos dust. Asbestos, right. So I'm... um, if I sound a little dry, that's why, because <laughs> that's where I record. Um, so I bring you this podcast episode at great risk. <laughs> well, we should just keep everything really documented for your uh, when you enter into the class action lawsuit against the makers of asbestos. I think that's just like timed out now. <laughs> it's like, yeah, what'd you think <laughs> it would happen? It's asbestos. <laughs> Mm. That's fair. Yeah, like class action law, <laughs> lawsuit against uh, poison. <laughs> yeah, oh well. Um, so I had a really organic question, and then I asked you a whole bunch of stuff about it um, over the phone, and we didn't record. Uh, <laughs> um, it was a really good discussion, but lucky for you and our listeners, I have follow-up questions. And the general topic is Google AdWords. What are they? (laughs) Should I use them? And then I met with uh, my partners in my um, small firm today and wrote down a series of questions they had as well. This is so cheesy because um, it is absolutely an organic conversation I've really had. But but it's also like the meat and potatoes of what I do. So um, so I got to give you my official like spiel that I've given so many times. I was so impressed by it. There were so many times where I was like, "What is that?" And then you'd be like, "So what that is is <laughs> like, oh okay, well that's really I didn't even have to ask very many questions." So <laughs> it's it's so funny because it was when I started doing it, it was a new technology, and so much of what the sales process looked like for the service was education, you know, like it was new to everyone. And so like our sales funnels were really long and, and people were hesitant to try new stuff as, as we are learning as attorneys who are finally getting around to considering, uh, yeah. Google ads. How many years, uh, has passed between that <laughs> and now roughly, <laughs> I've at least been doing it for 10 and it was was pretty, pretty new when I showed up. Um, so maybe for anybody who's listening, who's an attorney before we go any further, what, what are, what is Google AdWords? So, uh, which Google AdWords, which was within the last six months rebranded to call be called Google ads. I, um, reject that. (laughs) I'm just catching up on 10 years ago. (laughs) You, you and everyone else rejects that. It's silly. And it's always awkward when I write an email and I want to talk about ads on the Google network and I want to talk about ads on the Facebook network. Then I have to write Google ads and Facebook ads. And it's just, it's, it's a weird like string of text. It's like, I'm an idiot and don't know how sentences work, you know? Um, but it's the proper name at the same time. Um, so Google ads are, um, largely, well, Google ads is the ad network that Google offers across all of their properties. Um, so that includes everything from the search network, which is when you go to google.com and you type something in to search for it and you get a couple of paid listings at the top. 
and then some organic listings below that. And then usually some, a couple more paid listings at the very bottom too, before you click over to the second page. Uh, I mean, you do that. I have some dumb questions about that. Are the paid listings like identified as such always? Yeah. They always have a little label on them that say, um, add, I think the ad, the text has changed throughout the years. Um, but yeah, it, they're always identified. And, um, here's a question. So if I were to pay for Google ads <laughs> or whatever, and you know, my website's coming up when people are Googling certain search terms, um, because I'm paying Google to promote it, uh, does that increase my just organic SEO of my website? Nope. Um, that's a great question. But um, the two departments of Google are like famously disconnected um, so that there's thought to be no conflict of interest. Um, the paid side kind of works completely independently of the organic side. Um, so, so although the net result is largely the same and that you are showing up higher in, in a particular search result, you know, um, the, you know, the method methodology of getting there is, is, uh, unique to each, each method. Okay. Um, good answers. Interesting. I'm disappointed to hear that because, um, despite all of my best efforts, our law firm still doesn't come up on page one of Google for what kind of terms? Um, well, that's a good question. That's a really good question. So if you search like, our full name and law firm, it usually comes up, but, um, let's see what I'd like it to come up for is like Sarah, Sarah Sharp, my, my name. And it does not, it's like a bunch, a bunch of people, mostly me, but, um, and then, um, you'll be unsurprised to learn unfederated. <laughs> it comes up before. <laughs> my, that's, that's right. It does. Yeah. <laughs> It just keeps on going. I don't even know if I'm on page two, honestly. Uh, um, so that would be cool if it came up with my name. Because usually when you're employed somewhere and somebody Googles your name, your employer is like one of the first ones that comes up. Right. Yeah. Well, um, you know, I, I know a thing or two about that side of things too, the organic side as well. So um, maybe a conversation for another show. Ooh. Um, <laughs> We're going to do more of these? <laughs> well, maybe. If anyone... If if anyone downloads this one, we'll just keep going, you know? Um, so, well, I'll finish my answer as far as what Google Ads is for the sake of listeners. Um, so uh, Google's ad network across all the properties. We talked about search, which is the text ads largely um, when you Google something. That also includes uh, the video network, which is uh, primarily YouTube for, for Google. Uh, so the little ads that you watch before the video you're actually trying to watch or the little ads that, that uh, drop in in the middle of the long video you're trying to watch, um, those are all um, Google's video network. Um, there's also their display network, which is the banner ads um, that you'll see on sites. Uh, a lot of times, you know, new sites have a lot of ad placement all around them. And a particular site can opt into the Google display network and their, you know, and subsequently advertisers can show their ads to certain people on, in those ad spots. And, um, that also includes some like remarketing, which is, you know, famously like Zappos, the a pair of shoes will follow you around the web, um, after you've shopped for them. Um, and that's, that's part of the Google display network as well. Okay. 
Wow. There's a lot going on there. Um, okay. So that was one of my, so now that we have that basis, I was asking you like, Hey, should I do this? Which is funny. Cause I was, I was asking you that on my way to a conference, a small firm conference where then I asked everybody I met, like, what do you do for marketing? How do you get your clients? And I think two to three people were uh, using Google AdWords. Um, and all of them that I talked to were running them themselves and didn't seem to have any idea if it was working or not. Perfect. Yeah. So, uh, great use of funds. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, so pros and cons of your industry, uh, of course, well, to answer your question, like most of the time I, I, I'm going to see value in, in doing them in a lot of places just because, um, you know, when you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail and, uh, and there's some value. I mean, I, I certainly have seen them work in a myriad of industries. I, I've rarely see a situation where they can't work. Um, it just depends on how dialed in they need to be to work. Um, but uh, pros and cons for the legal industry, for example, and I think this is indicative of, of a lot of professional service industries. Um, one is that uh, for a lot of searches, um, you are going up against not only other local law firms if they're advertising, but there are a lot of like national law groups that are um, advertising for a lot of the terms that you'd be looking for. And so you know, where if you were like a local roofing contractor, there might not be national roofing contractors, you know, that's like a harder thing to scale. Um, but there could certainly be an office in you know, Atlanta or something that covers the whole Southeast or, or the whole Eastern you know, United States. And so you get situations where, um, uh, big national groups are are willing to advertise across the whole United States, which drives up the pr- the local prices for local advertisers such as yourself. Because it um, the ads show on more or less uh, an auction system, um, not a pure auction system, but you bid on terms, and so the more folks bidding, the higher the price goes. You know, um, so that hurts you from the standpoint of just wanting to advertise locally. Um, because you've got these national players that are in the space. Um, and that makes the prices more expensive. Okay. So um, in a fun exercise in absurdity, I'm going to describe to you the general way in which I described to my partners today what Google AdWords are. And you can tell me where I veer off course. <laughs> Um, okay. So, uh, when somebody Googles something, if it's a search term that you've elected to pay Google to promote you as a result for, and like, let's say I want to be the person who gets all the hits for physician employment contract reviews. And that search term is physician employment contract reviews. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or something like that. And um, somebody searches that I come up as a, as a clearly like sponsored link. Um, I don't pay anything unless somebody clicks on that link. And the amount I pay when that person clicks on that link is a range um, based on kind of the auction system you just described, like the demand of it and everything. So, you know, the range before, but you don't know exactly what you'll, you'll pay. Um, you just know a minimum and maximum. So somebody clicks on that and then they go to whatever website I have told Google, like promote this page. So that could be totally unrelated to the search term, which would be dumb. 
because then I'm not giving the searcher what they're looking for. And they're going to be like, thanks, jerk, and, and click back and go somewhere else. Yep. yep. Um, but hopefully it's a responsive page. It's like, I bet you were looking for this. Contact me. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's pretty solid. I mean, there's there's two pieces of that I'll point out and and adjust. Um, one, one is that um, you there is a range that you know what um, clicks could cost, but you get to set what your bid is. So you could say, I'm unwilling to pay any more than X. Um, so you don't have to pay X unless the next highest advertiser is willing to pay a, a penny less than X. You know what I mean? So like you only pay a penny more than the next highest price. So if, if it's a, if it's not a competitive term, you might not have to pay your full bid. You may get to pay less than that. Um, but you still get to set what your upper threshold is. So, um, that's cool. You have more control than, than you presented it, but, um, but still helpful. And and it's also nice that Google doesn't, I mean, make you pay your full bid because you wouldn't know. You just have to bid more than the next guy. Um, the second piece of that is that the, one of the main reason ways, one of the main ways that this isn't a pure auction system is Google does some like uh, nerdy magic behind the scenes for each auction. And when you set up your account, it will go and it'll crawl all the keywords you're bidding on and all of the text and the ads that you want to display. And it'll go and index the landing page that you've designated. And it's looking for cohesiveness in the, in the words that are in those three groups. So like if it's like, hey, you know, HR, contractor, employment law, um, keywords, and contractor, employment law, ad text, and uh, get free Viagra from Canada landing page, then like it, it will, you know, the same function that crawls the web and, and uh, ranks all the pages organically, that same technology goes and crawls the landing page and says, oh, this has nothing to do with HR employment law, you know, so like. Um, subsequently that advertiser would have to pay way more per click, um, than an advertiser that has like a super great landing page. Oh, interesting. I did so, not know that. Yeah. So it's Google calls it quality score. Um, it's, it's their metric to say, we don't want to kill the goose that's laying the golden egg, you know, like search is our thing. We want to make sure this is the, you know, much like our organic listings. We want to make sure our paid listings provide the best benefit to the searcher we can, um, while we also monetize it because that's Google's thing. And, um, so that's the mechanism they use for that. So to, to your end, if you have a service that you want to advertise and it's super not competitive, you could probably just drop people on your landing page and it's fine. If you have a service you want to advertise that's super competitive, it's then becomes probably worth the time to get a landing page that's as dialed in as possible because it'll allow you to pay less for those clicks than perhaps some of your competitors. Ooh, that's really interesting because that's, I was talking with partners today after talking with you over this and was like, you know, if we're going to pay for this, I think we owe it to ourselves to really build up our uh, ecosystem so that there's, you know, a particular page, like if we're going in for search terms in a, in a industry or a particular, like a data privacy, cybersecurity, um, you know, if we're, if we're really trying to get that, then we better have a whole separate page for that practice area that has in that, like a way to, con you don't have to like navigate anywhere else to contact or enter our, um, 
you know, enter our contact form or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, there's two pieces that you're describing. One is a great landing page that's, that's tied in with the campaign. And then two, to support all of this, you'd want to know what kind of results you're getting from the ads. You know, like we'll know that they clicked the ad. We'll know they visited your website. But to like uh, justify continuing to put money into this kind of campaign, you would want to also track like how many leads come from it. And so uh, you'd want to make that conversion path is what we call it. And in, in my industry, the the path that you want the visitor to take on your website um, as short and easy and obvious as possible um, so that, you know, they'll fill out that contact form. They'll call the phone number. They'll download the white paper. And then um, we can track that and we can say, oh, OK, well, you know, this campaign resulted in this many, you know, contact form fills. And, you know, um, we could even depending on like how it's treated in the back end, we can see what times those forms were filled and kind of like uh, tie that to, you know, emails that came in and try to figure out if any of those folks became clients. Um, or if you're, you know, using a CRM system, a lot of my clients that are doing this from a lead gen perspective have some sort of, uh, you know, customer relation management software. Um, and they'll actually like track and say, okay, we got this many leads from AdWords and this percentage of them became clients. And, you know, that, that resulted in X amount of, you know, revenue for our, our business. And so we can actually say, okay, like we spent, you know, $12 on ads and we got, um, you know, $300 in revenue, this is a good idea. Let's keep doing this. Yeah. So what, what is, how do you determine what a good conversion rate is for your industry? Um, it's, it's hard cause it's, it's different per industry. Um, I'll use the example. If you are dropping people on the Tesla website, trying to get them to buy a car, that's going to be a much lower conversion rate than if you're, um, you know, wanting them to download an ebook, right? Um, just the conversion rate is going to be different. Um, it's the more, uh, complex the thing they're buying is the lower it is, the more expensive the thing they're buying is the lower it is. Uh, and then of course the inverse of that is, is true. Um, so most of the time it's not super helpful to compare like your conversion rate to other attorney conversion rates, because you might even, you know, like what does an injury attorney look like compared to cybersecurity attorney? It's kind of hard to say. Um, what's usually more helpful is, and a lot of your competitors are not going to publish that data. So like we, we don't really know unless some sort of industry journal has published it, it, it would be hard for us to find reliable data uh, to compare to. Um, and even in your space, even if you guys have like a friendly um, you know, firm in a different city that like is similarly sized and would be willing to share that. Um, they would also need to be like measuring it uh, reliably <laughs> so that it's like data that we've like can actually compare to. Um, so what's, what's, and this is the unfortunate you know answer to your question is what's usually helpful is to start and figure out what your conversion rate is. And then we kind of set uh, like uh set, sale on a really long, never ending <laughs> like path to, to make it better. You know, like we can always find opportunities to improve upon that. And there's like an adage in my world that it's, it's easier to double your conversion rate than it is to double your traffic. So, so like, you know, if you get, you know, a hundred visits a month to your site, like 
to get 200 is not going to be easy, but like if we can figure out a way to get a, you know, twice the percentage will actually convert. Well, then we've, we've essentially accomplished the same thing, but, um, but a much easier path. So, um, so yeah, then we just kind of want to start asking ourselves those questions and see like where people fall out and always be asking, what can we do to make the site better so that we can convert at a higher rate? Um, the, the reality is we can do the math. We can say like, okay, we got this many clicks. We're paying this much per click. Like, and we got this many clients out of the other end. Is that profitable? Yes or no. And if it's profitable, most of my clients stop caring as much. Yeah. (laughs) Quite honestly. That's why it seems like if you're making more off of it than you're spending, you're probably like, well, it's it's good enough. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. How much more time do we want to, you know, it's working. Let's not mess it up. Right. Um, cause you, you do risk to some degree the opportunity that you make it worse as, as you're trying to, you know, change it. Um, the, the other pieces, if you're really close, if, if you're like at break even, you know, what are some things we can do to actually make this profitable? Cause we're like so close, you know, the, the numbers are almost there. Uh, if you're nowhere close, then, um, then, you know, some clients just give up and say that like AdWords didn't work for me. Um, or Is that, do you think that's a real thing? Like, are there just industries or clients that it just doesn't work for? Um, it has gotten a lot harder in certain industries, uh, as other ad networks have, have come into, into Vogue. Um, but more times than not, it's an indication of the quality of the website. Um, so if your site's not mobile friendly, for example, like that's going to be a huge problem because, you know, like 80% of web traffic now is from mobile device, right? Um, I mean, some, uh, don't quote me on that, but some huge amount is. So like it's, if they're, it's too late. <laughs> yeah, um, it's, in, it's in print. It's yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, if, if, you know, you're paying to drop people on a site that looks like garbage on the device that they're on, like you're in trouble, you know? Um, one example of an industry that's gotten really hard to compete in from an AdWords perspective is like consumer retail. So like if you're, if you're selling products on your website and those products specifically are also available on Amazon, um, most of the time they'll see your ad, they'll go to your site, they'll shop your products, they'll decide what they want because it's a better shopping experience on your site. And then before they actually buy, they'll just hop over to Amazon, get it with prime two day shipping, like all the things. And so it becomes very difficult then to be competitive in a Google AdWords world when you get, you put in all the labor and then right before they like pull the trigger, they, they jump over to Amazon to do it. And but to the point I was making a second ago, the reason that's happening is because it's a better site, right? Like, um, if you could build a site and experience as good as Amazon's, then they wouldn't leave. But, um, but you don't and Amazon has. And so they do. Um, uh, so it's kind of, uh, you know, it, from that perspective, it's a better experience for the shopper. So they're going to go do that. Cause that makes more sense. Great. I do it too. Right. Like, um, oftentimes the website's not offering the same shipping, uh, opportunities or, or fees or lack thereof. Um, or you have to go in and put all your shipping, you know, your credit card information, your, your address, all that kind of stuff. It's already stored in Amazon. Let's just go, you know, whatever. Um, the same can be true for like, you know, target.com, walmart.com, uh, all of, all of the other like big online retailers. 
Yeah. Um, I recently, I do that all the time. I recently, though, uh, was looking to buy some Allbirds shoes and bought them in like three clicks. And was like, that was too easy <laughs> on my phone. Like, yeah. oh gosh. So the thing, did you buy them through Amazon or did you buy them through No, Allbirds? through their website. Right. I was like, yeah. I never buy something through people's websites. It was just so, it was so easy. It yeah. was disturbing. So you just touched on something that, I mean, I could, I could go really deep on this. So, uh, don't let me, but, um, <laughs> help <laughs> stop help, me now. Send, send help. <laughs> um, <laughs> Three things really briefly. One, Shopify, which is an e-commerce platform that a lot of people are using now, has gotten so good. And it's it really is like the checkout experience with it, I think, rivals, I mean, Amazon. And in particular, if you use Apple Pay on your phone, like you can check out with Apple Pay. And it's just like, it's so easy. Um, all birds use Shopify. That's a great example. Uh, secondly, I think it behooves brands today to really consider a lot of what it means to put, to allow their products to be on Amazon. Um, anytime you're putting trust, well, more than that, anytime there's a middleman on the internet, (laughs) um, it's, it's reason to be concerned. You know, uh, the reason they're in the middle is they're, they're, Siphon, siphoning something out of the equation, right? And and at some point, usually as as the you know the product supplier in the situation, you're really just sharecropping someone else's land. You know, like uh, most of the time, you buy stuff on Amazon, like you don't even know who you're buying it from. Doesn't matter, you're buying it from Amazon, right? But like somebody somewhere is putting it in a box and shipping it. And it, and if it's not coming directly from Amazon, you'd never know. Um, so I think uh, as a brand, you have to be really conscious of like, do uh, like, am I okay with that? Like what happens when Amazon disrupts this, you know, like uh, as the middleman, what happens when they change the game? Um, a good example of that is when people are like pouring lots of resources into getting more and more Facebook likes, you know, followers. And then at some point, like the Facebook algorithms changed and it doesn't matter how many followers you have now, only like 13% of those followers actually see your posts. Like it's irrelevant. And so like all these people put all these resources into building up this community on some, someone else's land, you know, and then all of a sudden the game changed and like now they have to pay to speak to those people that they once viewed as an asset. And now it's like clear they're not an asset. They're Facebook's asset. That's interesting. That's really interesting. So what I'm hearing from you is like, we should trust Amazon and Facebook and definitely not be concerned. I mean, to that extent, I guess Google could do the same thing because we're just all figuring out ways to play by their rules um, in the delivery of information to to clients. Yeah. And I, I will say there's people making a lot of money on Amazon. There's people making a lot of money on you know, Facebook. It's just that whenever there's a middleman involved from an internet marketing, you know, internet retailer standpoint, you, you just have to be leery. I mean, in your world, like Yelp was a thing, right? At some point in time, but then Yelp started like, um, you know, blackmailing people <laughs> like the, you know, the, the Yelp model got really contentious and people like got, um, you know, really hateful like that, that relationship got weird really fast for a lot of, uh, a lot of advertisers, a lot of service providers, and so their, you know, ad system and stuff broke down really quickly. Um, so if you spend a lot of time and money getting great Yelp reviews, 
like you might be in a hard spot now, you know? Um, so it's just a conscious decision you have to make of, of when to trust the middleman and like to recognize that as like a, a, a always a, a constant threat to your business, you know, uh, at some point they could change the game and then what happens? Okay. So then I guess I should say that and that the prompt or I guess the question was like, when does it not work for people? I think, um, it, are there particular industries and, and your, your answer was more like the quality of the website seems to be the controlling factor there. Yeah. It really becomes a thing that says, okay, like we're, we're talking about an auction, right? And so if someone's willing to pay that, you know, pay so much for a click, then they're either an idiot who's losing money, which is possible. There's, there's times where people are willing to spend more than what it could mathematically be worth for clicks. Um, or they have a, a site that converts at a higher rate. And so like one site might be willing to pay a lot more for traffic in a particular vertical than another because they um, can convert them at a higher rate. Or maybe they're doing calculations on like the lifetime value of a customer versus just like the the value of that first purchase, you know? And so like once you start working the math into that, you can start justifying doing things like if you've got the data and and you're um, measuring things properly, you can start justifying paying more. So, um, so, you know, the answer to your question is if your site performs better, yes, you know, right. Or if you can, you know, mathematically justify paying more, you will. Right. And, and so whoever has the best data uh, usually wins in this kind of situation. Um, and whether that's how their site performs or that's how much of the revenue they can attribute back to the campaign um, or how much they can, you know, measure the lifetime value of a customer, um, you know, all those sorts of things. What do people want to see when they click on um, your, you know, a link that directs to your page? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I actually had a long conversation with a prospect um, just like last week or the week before last. Um, what they uh, really want to see is something indicative of what their search was. So um, what is kind of crappy, and we've all experienced crappy digital marketing, right? So like, um, you know, bear with me, but if you're searching for a, a particular, like a solution to a particular problem and you see an ad that seems to promise that solution and you click into it and get to a website and all it's trying to do is sell you something else, yeah. you know, then like, um, that's like Viagra from Canada when you only get it from Brazil. Right. Here, you know, <laughs> you know, that South, <laughs> South American Viagra is so much better. Um, no, it's like, uh, I'm trying to, so the example of, of this, um, person I talked to last week, they had a particular brick and mortar store that was, um, in town and they were like wanting to target terms of like, um, you know, things to do in Chattanooga. Okay. Like, you know, you might want to go to their brick and mortar location. Like, I mean, it's, it's feasible. It was kind of in the um, the hospitality space, you know, so like it's, it's not unreasonable, but then like she wanted to start targeting like other well-known things you'd search for in town and wanted her ad to show up there. And it's like, cause she's like, Oh, well, you know, tourists are going to search for those things. So we want, you know, our ad to show. I'm like, Oh, that's not, 
but they're not, they're looking for that thing. They're not looking for your thing, you know? And, and so like uh, a search that's filled with like irrelevant um, ads is, is usually a really good indication of digital marketing and poorly. Um, okay. And that's bad because you just have no good conversions and um, you're, it's like vaguely unethical because you're just catfishing consumers. Yeah, it's it's one, it's a bad experience for the consumer, which reflects poorly on your brand. Two, the way, you know, Google Ads is set up, like you, you'll economically speaking be punished for for it. And um, two, you know, we, we talk a lot and a lot in the news lately about data and, you know, big uh, social media companies and tech companies and all the data they, they have on you. I think one of the the tough realities people don't like to admit is that we're really okay with them having that data so long as it means more relevant ads. You know, we don't really like getting ads is not the problem. It's getting irrelevant ads. That's a good point. Yeah. Like you don't get mad when you're advertised for something that you're like, Oh, I did mean to buy that. Um, but you get mad when like, I get a lot of Nordstrom ads that are like really off the wall. (laughs) Like what, what about me makes you think that I want that? (laughs) Yeah. When you get, when you start, you know, if you get served an ad, that's the solution to a problem you have, like you're happy about it, you know? And I mean, certainly caveat of like treating that data responsibly and like respecting your, yeah, respecting your privacy and all that kind of stuff. But the truth of the matter is a really good ad is still very welcomed in our world, even though, you know, in a world full of like ad blockers online and, uh, you know, all of that kind of stuff would, it's still nice to have, uh, that connection point if it's relevant. So anyways, I, I think that's part of doing, um, marketing responsibly because, you know, whatever the data of how many, how many ad, uh, the, our exposure to ads today is like, you know, 4,000% more than our grandparents or something, you know, like it, we see so like hundreds of thousands of them every day. And so, um, you know, more is not always better. It becomes a matter of if we can get one that's more relevant and then that, that starts to carry a lot more weight. Okay. So what people want to see is essentially what, what they were searching for. <laughs> yeah. And, and what's hard about that is like, and you know, you're all space, right? Like you're going to have some pretty niche search terms. Like you're going to, you're going to have ads that show for terms that like get searched like 10 times a month, you know, like that's not a lot, but like, but that's exactly the 10 people you want to show up in front of, you know? And sure, you could broaden that if you want to. And if you had the budget, you could pay a whole lot of money to show in front of a whole lot of, you know, marginally broader ads, right? But like your conversions are probably still going to come from the relevant ads. Um, And so it's a good place to start, which, um, you know, I have a whole theory on on business, like uh, businesses in the niches. You know, we've talked about that on prior episodes and so I think what's interesting about being a freelancer in this world is like a, a single person can grow a business on those 10 searches a month, right? Like that's, that's a respectable, you know, you, you can call it a lifestyle business or w- whatever term people use, but like, who cares? You know, like if you, you can grow a, a freelancer business on that, um, can you, you know, get VC money and, and have like a thousand employees and no, no probably not on, on that level of scale but that's not what we're talking about here. So, um, you know, finding those niches that are underserved becomes a huge opportunity for solo business folks. 
I really like that perspective. Um, that there's kind of this like area carved out where the big folks don't necessarily want to be playing there either. Um, for instance, um, one of the things that I heard when I was talking to these other lawyers doing my guerrilla research um, <laughs> at this conference last week was people saying, yeah, but, you know, leads from the Internet, you just take so much more effort because you have to you have to filter through them all, um, you know, because people don't actually want to pay a lawyer. They've never worked with a lawyer. Maybe they you know, thought they wanted to and they had no idea that they're expensive. And here we are. Um, so. Uh, if you have a more like niche, um, or niche, uh, search term for a really specific thing, like you and I discussed like GDPR attorney, which is a particular statute in the European union. Um, you know, if you have something like that and you only get 10 hits, that's fewer people you have to weed through too. Whereas the bigger players are going for like, People who are searching, you know, car crash lawsuit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and they're going to have to filter through quite a few clients. Yeah. Disability lawyer. Right. right. Like, I mean, okay, there's, there's, that can mean a whole bunch of different things. And, um, the would need to be quantified or qualified, uh, significantly before it, you know, probably lands on an attorney's desk to review. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's, I think that's a thing. It's, it's relevant. I, I occasionally will get a client that's like, I don't want a bunch of leads. I just want really good leads. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Hi, yeah. welcome. Hi, yeah. welcome to this world that we all live in. Yeah. Uh, but, and sometimes that's possible and sometimes it's not, it's, it's hard in a situation where like I'll, I'll pick on realtors, um, cause Rachel is one and it's kind of the epitome of commoditized businesses, you know? Um, but like if you're a realtor and you're like, Oh, I don't want a bunch of leads. I just want really good ones. Well, like, I don't know how to, like, if, if you're not unique in some way, I'm not exactly sure how the ad is going to help you filter, you know, but like if you have a unique product or service to offer that we can connect to a unique ad message, you, you know, to folks that are searching for that thing, then all of a sudden it starts to make sense. But, um, for folks that, that offer a commodity service or product, it, it is hard to, I mean, one, everyone's going to be advertising it the same way. So you're going to have a lot of competition online. Um, so it's, it's not going to be cheap. And then two, separating yourself from all of those other people, you know, is going to be that much more challenging because you're not unique, you know? Um, and that's probably the hardest thing I have to tell clients often that want to, you know, want to be, um, the special person in this crowded field of, all these other people that do exactly what they do is, is getting them to understand that they're not unique or, or measurably unique. Um, you know, they'll often say something like, Oh, I've got a lot more experience. Oh, or my customer service is better. Well, like no one knows, understands or, or cares or gets that. I mean, like they're going to assume everyone has decent customer service, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and, <laughs> and they're not going to take the person's word for it. It's not like you can just go in there and that's what you can use yourself to differentiate yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And you hope that you don't need the customer service. You hope it just works right the first time, you know? Um, you don't want the warranty. Like you want to not need the warranty. Um, so it's like, that's kind of a hard message that, that a lot of folks struggle to understand is that, um, you know, you, you actually have to have a unique product to, to find those niches and find those verticals. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Um, and 
It's not the easy, I guess, probably a lot of this. And I have a lot of clients come across my desk with similar issue uh, type of issues. You want it to be like an easy thing that you throw money at and don't have to do anything for. (laughs) And I bet you see that a lot with people wanting like, hey, yeah, let me spend some money on this and just like throw them all onto my homepage of my um, website and I'll get a whole bunch of traffic to my website and then I'll get clients. But what I'm hearing from you is you need to have like a decent business model and something reasonable to offer and then also have a decent website that, um, you know, is responsive to what people are looking for when they're searching, which is all stuff outside of what you're paying the digital marketing people to do. Yeah, it is. And and like, don't get me wrong, like Google will take your money, you know, F- Facebook will take your money to do it poorly. So there's really no stop gaps that's, that, that force you to do it well. Um, so, you know, there's the outside chance that you've tried it, you've done it poorly, you've determined it didn't work for you or, or doesn't work for your industry. Um, that's something that's challenging, challengeable, you know, like let's go back and let's see like the components that were used and determine whether this really was, you know, uh, where the point of failure was. Um, the, uh, the other piece is like, I guess the question then becomes like, if you wanted to get started in something like this, how, how would you approach that? Um, it, it kind of depends on your budget. Like if you're the guy that's, that's spending a hundred dollars a month in the legal field where, where clicks are $30, you know, um, then like, there's not a lot of margin in there for you to hire someone else to be involved on your behalf. Um, but so you can run the ads yourself and Google makes in recent years has, has tried to make that easier. Um, Facebook ads are, are much easier that the kind of the notorious like boosted post is, is, um, one that there was an ad type that was released to make it easy for, you know, any old person with limited tech technical experience to, to run ads. Um, you know, Google ads is a bit more daunting. The user interface and stuff is, you has a lot of, you know, abbreviations and acronyms and stuff that you really have to kind of know what, you know, what you're doing to feel like, you know, you're getting value out of it. Um, but if you're doing it at a high enough level, it becomes, it starts to make sense to offload it to some sort of agency or, or, um, manager such as myself, because like all the refinements that take place, you know, little by little each day to make the account more efficient and more profitable, um, can start to add up over the long haul, you know, and, and, and it also gives you that outsource opportunity, the ability to say like, Hey, you just do this. Like, here's money, <laughs> like, uh, make this work and, and, you know, the right kind of person can do it, um, and do it well. So, so where do you, I mean, how does that work when you're hiring somebody? What do you think the threshold is for doing it yourself versus hiring someone to manage and the pros and cons of, of each? Yeah. Um, I, I think one of the things you have to watch out for is that like everyone's nephew that's good on computers is somehow like a social media or digital marketing expert. Um, and that's something I've faced my whole career, right? Like is, is an uneducated consumer. And that's kind of what we're talking about there. So, um, one place to start and in particular with Google ads is there's Google actually has a certification program. Uh, so like I'm a Google certified partner. 
And, and so I take tests every year to like prove that I'm competent and, and a certified partner. So like, that's a good place to kind of get started with someone that is in it enough to know they've done all that kind of ad administrative stuff in the background. Um, then as far as budget issues, um, I think it's really going to be dependent on the industry you're in. I mean, like we talked about like clicks in the legal world or, 15 to $45 a click, depending on what the term is. And so like, you know, you could have a, a budget of a few thousand dollars a month and like that, we might not be talking about that much traffic, you know, like we might just be talking about, um, you know, 25 clicks a month, you know, um, to, to make that possible. And so, um, you know, what's the opportunity for ongoing improvement of an account that size, Probably not a lot. I mean, you're going to be paying someone, um, you know, a few hundred dollars a month to manage that like you'd want it managed, you know. Um, I inherited an account uh, a couple weeks ago where um, the person that was managing it before me was not watching it closely. And uh, my now client had paid, I think it was like $200 the month before on like – a trademark term for a particular product that they didn't even sell. So like it, it wasn't just the product they didn't offer, but then like more nuanced than that, it was like a very specific, you know, like a, uh, like a betting set with a cartoon character that like, like well, no one could offer, you know, like, uh, cause it was like a, a Disney brand or something, you know, that were, you're clearly not going to be an authorized retailer of that, um, uh, that trademark. So, um, you know, they're just wasting money cause no one was watching it closely. And so, um, you know, you start getting into situations like that where you can, you can, you know, set it and forget it and, and waste money, uh, pretty quickly if, if you're not, uh, super careful. So, um, yeah, that's not an actionable, actionable answer to your question. Um, um no, it makes sense to me that you would, uh, <laughs> that if you were, uh, like the people I talked to in the small and solo firm conference, they were, you know, set something up and, and when they had probably like a slow week and then they didn't look at it again and it's probably not doing great, but here they are just passively spending money on it. Whereas if you're using somebody who's actively managing it, you could have them uh, <laughs> adjust uh, and can you change it? I mean, how often would you change like search terms or um, adjust your approach so for accounts I'm managing in particular new accounts, like I'm, I'm in the account daily, um, making some refinements. I mean, it's either, you know, managing which campaign is getting that month's budget based on which one is actually converting, you know, which might not be the same every month. So I'd want to make sure that, you know, I can't just allocate the budget the same way every month. Um, kind of like your own personal budget, you know, like some months you got to buy people, you know, birthday gifts and stuff that other months you don't, you know? And, um, so sometimes certain products or services convert better different seasons. Um, and then as the account gets more mature, it, you know, it, it, it requires a little less tinkering. Um, you know, it's always good to be rolling in new ads and testing new ad text. Um, because that's just something that, I mean, the language evolves around just about every product and industry. And, um, so having, having fresh ad text is always good. Um, and to the point you were making earlier, you know, you can hire an agency that will set it and forget it for you too. So like one of the things you'd want to watch out for is like, 
um, is making sure someone is going to be in the account working on it. Cause like you can be paying someone under the, under the guys that they are and, and they, and they're not really. So, um, you know, frequent check-ins and even Google ads has a, has a, um, a change log. So you can actually get in and see what changes have been made in the account by whom. And that's kind of a great way to, to know that the person you're paying is taking care of things or, or, or neglecting things, you know? Um, so in this world, there's always data to look back on and, and sometimes it's appropriate to create an account and let it run and like, let it gather data before you make changes. And, you know, that's a Google best practice for new accounts. Um, but you know, at a point in time, you've got enough data to make changes. And so you should be in making changes. How long do you think you should let it run to see? I mean, I was kind of thinking about that too. And I was like, well, I mean, even if you can see daily Intel, you, you probably can't really act on anything. And that's less than like a month of interactivity with your search terms. But what do you, what do you think? No, you're right. Absolutely on it. Um, I always use the term statistically significant data, you know, Um, so clinical. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, your first five, you know, times your ad shows, if no one clicks on it, doesn't mean you should pause the ad, you, you know, like that's not enough to say, Oh, okay. It's, it's worked or it hasn't worked. Um, so usually it's kind of a byproduct of how much budget you have behind it. If you're spending, you know, uh, $5,000 a month on ads, you, you can usually get to that statistically significant place much faster than if you, if you have a more modest budget. Um, but you know, you get a couple you know, a couple hundred clicks on an ad and those folks that visit the website and nobody's converting. Well, now you've kind of got a reason to be concerned, you know, of, of that many visits. Like you'd like to think that someone's, you know, pulling the trigger on whatever it is you have to offer. Uh, Maybe, maybe not the Tesla example, right? Like, but, um, but if you're just selling like a kind of a more normal product or service, um, then, you know, once you start getting into the hundreds, like you want to start seeing some, some results, um, to put that in perspective, a good click through rate, uh, click through rate is the terminology of how many people see your ads versus how many click it. Um, you know, like Google says 1% is a good click through rate. So that means every hundred times your ad shows one person clicks. Um, I usually shoot for, you know, three to 7%. Um, but you're still talking about single digits, right? So, you know, you still need a couple hundred visits before you can, you know, experience those, you know, five that are going to click. Mm-hmm. Oh, that, um, you've answered a lot of my questions. <laughs> um, what have we missed? Um, I've talked about the Google partner program a little bit. Um, that's a great, uh, they actually have a directory if you're looking for, for someone in your area to work with. Um, that's a good place to start. And you can even search by like industry specialty and stuff like that. What, um, you're very good at this having been doing it since, uh, people, <laughs> since it was a thing. Um, and you don't really need anyone in, in your area, right? Like it can be anyone. So should people just like go to up council or Upwork or sorry, you know, Upwork, not up council as lawyers. <laughs> they don't know that. Uh, <laughs> Upwork or, um, and look for, you know, people who have those particular Google certifications or, um, what kind of clients do you take on? 
Yeah. Um, it, it doesn't need to be in your area. Like it definitely doesn't unless you're just the type of person that works better that way. Uh, I have clients here locally that just still want to meet face to face for whatever reason. I have no idea. We go and I sit down and we look at my computer screen together. Um, uh, so like we could just do that online, but whatever, if you're that person, knock yourself out. Um, you can do the partner search and find someone nearby that is good to talk to. Um, if not like an, um, an Upwork or something like that, um, I've seen people like on Fiverr, which despite the name, uh, there are people on there that you pay more than $5 to do stuff. And, and so you can find uh, some decent folks in that way. Um, it's, it's hard to just like have someone do a whole bunch of work one day and then think that that work's going to like last for months into the future. Uh, it really is kind of an ongoing process because the market changes, like you go in and make changes to your account if someone's managing, you know, your competitor's account, they notice, they make changes. Like, you know, it's a marketplace. So, so there is uh, always some, some give and take and um, some need to monitor and, and respond. Um, and then, um, yeah, if I can be helpful too, um, I work at um, a lot of my clients are either one or two buckets. So they're in the e-commerce space or they're in the like uh, lead gen, like professional services space. And so, those are kind of the two industries that are the easiest to track revenue from, which means they're the easiest to justify um, spending like bigger ad dollars. So um, most of my clients are spending, you know, a couple thousand dollars a month on ad spend. And um, for that, we're able to do a lot. Um, and they usually have, you know, especially e-commerce, they usually have like a pretty extensive product catalog, right? So like we're, we're advertising a whole bunch of different products in that kind of budget. So, um, but yeah, um, I'm there and, um, happy to talk or, or help folks, uh, that might have questions or, or be curious about this. Cool. Awesome. And if you, um, you know, people want to leave us a review on iTunes. We'll send them a sticker. That's right. We have more stickers to send. Seamlessly so. segue. Yeah, that was that. rock solid. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so that'd be great. Or you can just leave one to, to be nice. But um, but if you leave one and tell us about it, we'll send you uh, the sticker, which I'm actually proud of. And it's got a little slogan that I'm proud of. Um, that says They're really work. cool. Yeah. It says your work, your way, um, which is very indicative of why I love what I do. Yay. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, Rob. I really appreciate you going through all that. And now that it's recorded, hopefully I won't have to make you do it like six more times. <laughs> yeah, you just, this was a slow play so that you didn't have to explain this to your coworkers. It You're was. Just, <laughs> just kind of... I don't know. I thought I made that apparent. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right, thanks. Have a good week. Yeah, you too. You can find show notes from this episode at unfederated.studio. And if this podcast has helped you in your journey, say thanks by rating and reviewing the show in Apple Podcasts.